It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 842 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December the 9th. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. You can find my work over at RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can also find the podcast at LockedOnRaptors. And as well, you can find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers. Please subscribe to, rate, and review not only this podcast, but all the other Locked On shows that we have covering your team every day, whether it's the NHL with the uh, season starting on January 13th. We've got Locked On Leafs, if you're a Maple Leafs fan, Locked On NHL breaking down the return to play plan, and we got everything else. You get the NBA coming up, obviously, in two weeks. The Raptors play their first game two weeks from today. So get acquainted with all of the Locked On NBA coverage. We got our preview coming up on Locked On NBA next week. That feels like enough shilling for the rest of the network. Let's get to today's show. And we are continuing on with our series of pressing preseason questions with number three on the list, which is where the hell are the Raptors going to finish in the Eastern Conference? And joining me to dissect the top six in the Eastern Conference in particular, because I think it's a pretty clear tier of six good teams versus one okay, pretty good team, and then a bunch of not so good teams that maybe are going to be a little frisky. Uh, it is our pal from Locked On Cavs, uh, a team that is not necessarily frisky, but could be. We'll see. It's our pal Chris Manning. What's going on, man? No, I'm doing good. Uh, they'll they'll be frisky. That's my take. That's my that's the only <laughs> that's the only thing we'll talk about about them. Last night in the uh, locked on uh, fantasy draft, we we're playing in a league this year. Um, I am not much of a fantasy player, and I in the fifth round I reached for Colin Sexton only because of tweets by you and Justin Rowan about how good Colin Sexton actually is. So congrats that's bad to life you for advice, that. Though. That's just yeah. bad life advice, by, by, especially with Justin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm expecting I got roasted for the pick. Josh Lloyd uh, eviscerated me for the pick on the on the on the live show we did. So, uh, you know, there's that. But you're, you're in my mind, apparently, um, because I'm far too online and there's too many Cavs <laughs> Twitter people in my uh, in my DMs or not in my DMs on my timeline. Whatever. Either way, Chris, we're not here to talk about the Cavs today. Uh, unfortunately for you, Thank I God. guess. Um, <laughs> or maybe fortunately. Yeah, you have to talk about them every day. I'm giving you a reprieve. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to talk about the top six in the Eastern Conference. First of all, we should probably establish you know, that the top six actually is a top six. We're going to kind of go reverse order and pick who we think is going to finish six through one. 
And I cut it off at six because I think it's a pretty clear delineation between the top six and the rest of the conference. Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, Miami, Brooklyn, and Boston, to me, feel like you're going to finish one to six, barring some insane COVID outbreak in these teams that causes them to lose their best players for 12 days at a time. Uh, they feel like pretty clearly the top six to me. Is this fair, Chris, or are Indiana Pacers fans going to be rightfully screaming if they are listening to this podcast? No, I, I think you're correct. Uh, I think just the structure of the this and and the the quality of it is just very clearly like there's six and then none of the other things are particularly competitive but it's like a really good six like it's a kind of a deep six um but yeah there's kind of like a clear bracketing and maybe like something will probably go wrong with one of these teams just because like i, I feel like that's just where we're headed but um it's the plague season of course something's gonna go wrong yeah and there's always weirdness like you always get something that underperforms but i do think that um, there's enough there to kind of feel like these are clearly the six and clearly the 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 creme de la creme, so to speak. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to Indiana. I think had their best player not been trying to perform an internal mutiny over the course of the offseason, and if there weren't a million trade rumors around that team and how they wanted to like get Gordon Hayward, uh, <laughs> if all of that wasn't flying around, I'd feel a little bit better about the Pacers, but I just kind of think, even with Nate Bjorkren going there, who I think will inject some creativity and fun into that team, which has not really had it in recent years, I still think they're probably a tier below. Um, they could prove me wrong. I mean, the Pacers are always super annoying, and they could finish 6th or 5th or something like that, but for the purposes of today's exercise, we're going to keep this to this top 6 in the Eastern Conference. Let's go reverse order, 6 through 1. Chris, who do you have coming 6th in the Eastern Conference? Hmm. This is... Not a fun thing to project because you're looking at weirdness. You're looking at um, you're basically betting on like who just has the worst luck. I feel like out of these six, mm-hmm. the spicy take would be Brooklyn, right? Um, I'm going to Miami. Ooh, I have Miami a little higher. We'll get to them, but why do you have Miami as the six? I, I think you're you're losing something with uh, no Crowder. Um, right. I think you are losing something with uh, like if you're Bradley going the role. I think like they're going to be fatigued. That's going to matter. You know, um, like what is Iguodala really like? There's a whole bunch of questions I have, frankly, about just kind of the structure kind of going on there. And like, are you getting Dragic, who is as good as he was in the bubble for a full year? I'm guessing not. Right. Mm. So I just wonder if there's some aggression. I think they're really good. I, I could be very wrong, but I just to me, it just feels like that's like a case of just like things just last season went so well at the end. And they're they have the, that really short turnaround and they're probably going to pay for that being in the season in a 72 game kind of stretch that ultimately matters. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they were like two or three as well. But I, I just feel like regression is kind of kind of hurt them just a little bit there. And I, I think just the talent on some of their teams is just a little higher, even if I believe in a lot of what they're doing yeah I mean I think all those points are well taken and this sort of speaks to my larger sort of point that I'm going to get to in the final segment of today's show uh, as it pertains to the Raptors there's a bit of a spoiler but I think there are like some very real flaws with all of these teams that are kind of easy to pick apart if you like you could make an argument for any of these teams being sixth I think just because there is some low-hanging fruit 
With the Heat, I think it's probably the fact that they're kind of an old team, sneakily. Like, Butler's in his 30s. Drogic is back. He's ancient. Uh, you mentioned Iguodala, who is pretty rickety at this point, and who knows how good he actually is and how important was he actually to their playoff success last year. Yes, that's balanced by Bam and Hero and Duncan Robinson, but... Yeah, they're, they're not, to me, an insanely deep team. Like, they kind of rode like a six- or seven-guy rotation for much of the postseason. Losing Jay Crowder hurts, and I don't think Mo Harkless is, like, the, the stand-in replacement for Crowder that people seem to think he is. And Avery Bradley's just fine to me, and I think was probably benefited by playing with LeBron James last year, as most people are. I, you know, I think Kendrick Nunn is probably due for a step back. He was awful in the playoffs and I don't think is necessarily a very good player. Obviously a bad dude as well. And then when you come to Tyler Hero, I mean, he's the 59th best player in the world, according to ESPN. Don't even get me started. <laughs> truly, truly insane. The lists are stupid and you shouldn't read them, but that is just like a, an all-time like, like a heat check, yeah, like attempt like, to troll. I don't know what it is. Lonzo at 52 is just like... <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I would expect Hero will be good, but also he's a turnstile on defense. I don't care how, like, sneaky athletic people want to say he is as a white player in the NBA. I don't think he is some sort of passable defender, and I think he will probably, over the course of the regular season, get exposed. And, like, look, the Heat were not some destructive force in the regular season last year their offense was at times stagnant yes to kind of reinvigorated what they were in the second half of the season after the trade deadline but I, I think you're right that losing Crowder kind of cuts into a lot of what they got out of that uh, Iguodala Crowder trade and it's just it's to me a bit of a, a troublesome sort of mix but I still think they're going to finish a little bit higher I have Boston sixth um, I think this is okay this is yeah I, I get this um mm -hmm. but I Oof, that's tough okay so i get it boston wins a lot of games they uh you know they they have like a pretty good track record of winning a lot of games in the regular season i think the kemba thing is very serious for them and not having plan. hayward it kind of leads you leaves you with just tatum and brown as guys that you kind of want with the ball in their hands and i'm not even sure you want jalen brown to have the ball in his hands maybe you do but he seems like maybe in a number two role this year is probably going to be a bit overexposed. He seems a little bit further down the pecking order in an ideal construction of the lineup. I think Jeff Teague is bad. Like swapping him in for Brad Wanamaker, I think, is a downgrade despite the name recognition of Jeff Teague. And to the point that even with Kemba Walker out, they're not planning to start him, it seems. It sounds like Marcus Smart's going to be the starting point guard and probably himself asked to take too many shots. And so, yeah, I, I just kind of think the loss of Hayward and the uncertainty about Kemba, who's probably going to miss a ton of games just for rest and to preserve himself for the playoffs, will ultimately lead to the Celtics not having too much juice in the regular season. And I should also preface all this by saying, I think the finishing order between one and six in the East is going to be pretty close. Like, I don't think, especially with 10 fewer games for stratification to take place, I think it's all going to be within, like, five to ten games at the most, but... I think Boston, to me, has the most glaring question marks about sort of how they're going to carry things over. And I know you're going to come in with Tristan Thompson, blah, 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 blah. Well, he's, he's still hurt. good. I, yeah, he's hurt. And I also kind of think maybe he's more washed than Cleveland fans would suggest. He, um, he, he, <laughs> he's he's not. Um, I think if I was like Toronto, I'd rather have him than Baines. And it's yeah, I disagree not, with that entirely. Well, I, I get why you would because Baines is bigger or the room protection stuff. But I think Tristan as like a five who's going to be able to get on the floor on like against smaller teams is, is really useful. Um I think he's and he just kind of knows how to play in, in those types of games. And he's just kind of a good kind of locker room kind of guy as well. I think he's 
good, but the, the, the hamstring thing is obviously very concerning as you're starting a season. Um, mm-hmm. Boston's my five. Okay. So that, that I don't have them like obviously and much higher, but I, I, I'm just, a, even though like there's some weirdness with Kemba and the Tristan thing, and I'm not like you and I both agree on that. We're, we're on the same page on the Brad Stevens thing. Um, <laughs> bad, bad Stevens, of course. Yeah. Um, I believe in Tatum. Like I, I think Tatum's really good. And I think like that's a, Oh, that's just like gives I have a little more trust in him and in Brown and just kind of them doing stuff than I do some of the other situations. And um, I could be wrong. The Kemba thing is obviously like a very, very big deal. And if he's not right, then like there, there's some real problems there for them. Um, I mean, I think, you know, Hayward obviously maybe isn't what they thought he would be when they signed him, but losing him for with like no real replacement is an issue. And like our what young guys step up. Um, yeah, I don't think it's crazy to have them that low. I think it'd be it just feels like if they get that I guess I just like believe in Tatum enough where I'm just like kind of sure that he's he's really good and that just kind of matters to some degree mm-hmm. in in some of these things but there's also are just kind of some weaknesses that maybe like Toronto or even like Philly at, at least in starting five doesn't have that's going to kind of maybe hurt them a little bit right so I do have them at five I do wonder with Tatum like without Kemba and Hayward like how will that sort of negatively impact his efficiency and will he kind of have to play Kobe ball like he did famously in the season where he was kind of bad a couple years ago uh will that become more of a thing for him just because he kind of has to um so I wonder if there might be a bit of a of an efficiency drop off there but uh, you know the thing about Boston that could turn things around here is like they have a bunch of kind of like wild card dudes on the bench who they've drafted in the last couple years with all their sort of mediocre picks and if a couple of those guys hit, then maybe you're looking at a more fleshed out rotation. I'm kind of betting against that because Danny Ainge's history of drafting dudes in the middle of the first round uh, is not very good. <laughs> and so I'm just going to ride with history for now. I have Brooklyn as my five team. I'm assuming you probably have Brooklyn covered in your three, four. Am I correct, Chris? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, but so, I, I'm, I'm also like close to making them like my finals pick because I'm just going to ride the vibes. I'm just here for the for the vibes in Brooklyn. Um, okay. We'll, we'll get to that. To, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get we'll we'll save the, the Nets talk then because you have them in the three, three, four range. I have them in the five. Um, we'll get to the Nets talk and more in terms of the three, four rankings we each have in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which you would know by now is the best tasting protein bar in the world. And they have 18 amazing flavors for you to try from Cherry Barcia, Cookies and Cream, Apple Almond Crisp, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, The All-Time Goat, Toffee Almond, and so many more. Their bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while cheating a little bit and having a delicious treat, but it's not actually cheating because bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diet folks as well. I love to have a built bar when I'm like working out or something just because it doesn't weigh you down. It's not too much, but you have some food energy in you for that workout. Highly recommend. Right now, when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you're going to get 20% off your, of, your, of your next order. Again, that's the promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Go check it out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, before we continue on here, just a reminder that later in the week, we've got a lot of other stuff planned to preview the season, answer the pressing questions. Tomorrow, I'm going to be diving in on a solo show to the eighth man conversation that Nick Nurse kind of brought up today in his press conference. We're going to dive into who will fill in the rotation behind what figures to be a pretty set top seven on tomorrow's show. So stick around and tune in for that. All right, Chris, uh, I mentioned before the break, I have Brooklyn as my number five. I think Brooklyn is going to be good. I think they're going to be a much better playoff team than they will be a regular season team. I'm concerned about resting and back-to-backs and things like that for Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I'm frankly concerned for Kyrie, period, because he hasn't really been healthy for, what, two or three full seasons now? Mm -hmm. And there's a very real chance he's just not the same dude anymore. His defense stinks. I think this is probably going to be a pretty bad defensive team overall. They're going to play DeAndre Jordan over Jarrett Allen, which is probably a bad idea. Kevin Durant, though, is Kevin Durant, and even like 80%, 70% of old Kevin Durant after the Achilles is going to be a monster, and I think they will be uh, a very, very tough out in the in the finals. I have questions about like the sort of chemistry and fit there. Is Karis LeVert going to be happy with a lesser role? Is Spencer Dinwiddie be going to be happy with a lesser role? I feel like they'll get to lineups that are just amazing, uh, probably involving Kyrie, KD, a center, maybe Jared Allen or DeAndre and Joe Harris, and then fill in the two guard here or whatever. But um, I certainly have my my questions about how this team will sort of coalesce in the regular season, at least. Do you share those concerns? Yes, and they're they're my four. Um, so okay. that's where I have them. I like if Kyrie and KD aren't healthy, and like the Achilles thing like does hurt KD, then they're they're dead, right? Right. Um, and there's a whole specter of Steve Nash. Now, like, I, I don't like totally, I'm not totally concerned about Nash because you're getting into a situation with him where you have Jock Vaughn, who did a really good job coaching Brooklyn in the bubble in the end of last season after uh, Kenny Atkinson got let go. Uh, can we just also just, we can we just say that coaches get fired? We don't need, like, you know, it's weird when we're like, they parted ways. It's just weird. <laughs> um, and you have Mike D'Antoni, who's brilliant. Like absolutely brilliant running um, the offense. Like I, I think the structure, like as an orthodox as it kind of seems, I think it makes sense. Weirdly, and we'll see about the roster. I think you're right about. I, I feel like they have a trade to make in some way, whether it's you know the Harden thing or they like go get like a, a bigger kind of defensive three four type to kind of um, kind of give them like a, a more modern piece on the wing a little bit. Um, you know, and they obviously spent big to bring back Joe Harris, who I really like and everything. But yeah, I, I think it's a better playoff team. But I think. KD Kyrie, if they play enough, just get you to a place where I think you're going to win a bunch of games. Be really hard. Just like I just don't know how teams are going to defend the Nets, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. like, like there are good defensive teams in the East, but like if they play Philly, for instance, and you put KD at the five, what what does Joel Embiid do? You know, yeah. Like, what does Boston do? What does Toronto? Like all these teams that they're competing against, I think they just have stylistic advantages that are really going to help them, and um, I. I'm excited for if it, I'm also like a, even though Kyrie does weird stuff and everything like I'm I am a believer in him as a player um, and I'm ex- if he's healthy him and Kyrie Katie together as like a pick and roll duo can can probably score like 100 points a game on their own no problem like it should be that efficient just those two kind of together being killer so yeah I think better playoff team I I very in my head I might pick them to to make the finals we'll see but. Um, I, I think definitely a, a playoff team, and I think definitely for me at four, and then they'll just like overperform, kind of like the Cavs did with LeBron, where they just like kind of get there and then just like hit another level once the the basketball does change a little bit because they they are built for that kind of basketball versus the regular season where 
some of the more kitschy kind of flowy stuff to maybe works a little bit better in the in the in the grind of a regular season totally i i'm just i'm very glad brooklyn exists in this top six and frankly i i can throw atlanta and washington into this conversation as well i'm glad those three teams in particular exist in this east because like it's gonna be so fun to watch those like offense only teams brooklyn atlanta washington go up against like these insane maniacal defenses that you know between but milwaukee toronto philly Miami and Boston like that might be five of the top six or seven defenses in the whole league this year and I think that's super fun like the sort of clash of styles there um and yeah Brooklyn like they could be really really freaking good they're just such a question mark and there's so little certainty about sort of what their best lineups are going to look like and what Kyrie is going to look like I'm honestly more concerned about Kyrie than I am about KD to be to be frank I think Um, that's I think that's fair because like yeah if anyone deserves benefit of the doubt on figuring this out. It's like probably someone who's as good as KD. Yeah. Um, Kyrie has had just nagging injury after nagging injury after, after nagging injury. Um, totally. And you know, we don't really know what's going on with him for a variety of reasons that I don't want to talk about. So, um, <laughs> cause they're not fun to talk about, but it's, it's, it's definitely complicated. And the Harden thing would make it even more complicated, even though like you put those three in a team together, like you're going to score 120 points a game and you're going to make the playoffs. Like it's just like, yeah, that team is going to probably win the title. If that comes together, it just would be impossible to defend. Like just Um, imagine like a five of like, like whatever, like fifth guy. And then just the, the main four is Joe Harris, Kyrie, KD and Harden. And clearly Joe Harris is the main focal point of that. That's why I put him first. Yeah, but, of um, course. <laughs> yeah, like obviously the leader going to score 15 game seven. But like that, that's just like outrageous. And I don't know how any team defends like the variety of things they could do, even if it devolves into like iso ball. Like mm-hmm. that's like the, the 2016-17 Cavs have one of the best offenses teams have seen in a long time. The league has seen in a long time. It's underrated, I think, because of the teams they played, uh, specifically the Warriors with KD. And they were iso ball heavy. Like it wasn't complicated. They just scored a shit ton of points. And this, mm-hmm. that Nets team, and I think even this version that we see now with Lavert um, and, and Dinwiddie around, like can do a lot of the same stuff. Totally. Um, so we have the same four, five, six, just in some order. I have Miami as my four. All the concerns I mentioned when you had them at six, I think are, are valid totally and could totally see them come six, coming sixth. But I do think like they are insane like basketball only robot freaks and they play a very grading style that is difficult in the regular season they can throw a stupid zone at you and catch you off guard for 12 minutes of a game and win a game like that on a random night in february and i think i mean i don't i like kind of detest the whole like heat culture like only working out and not being fat and fat shaming players off the team thing but that might work in a very condensed 72 game schedule despite how exhausted they're probably going to be um, they, like they, they like to work out and that should probably help them out a little bit. Well, I yeah. want to ask you one thing about the heat that I think I might be underrating them for this reason. I don't think there's a better team. Maybe the Raptors might be an example of this. That makes better in season adjustments because like, you know, this, yeah. like some of the big adjustments that teams make to the rotation, to scheme, to, to, to whatever they're doing oftentimes comes like in the midst of a playoff series. Like it comes like after they get spanked in a game and like need to adjust. And then it's like something they ride and, and kind of roll with for as long as it works. I can't think of many teams, if any, that are better at doing that in the regular season mm-hmm. um, without practice time, you know, without like just kind of the 
the the, the weird nature of, of what the regular season is. And I think this year, like, I don't really know what that looks like, but I think if a team is built to handle that and still make the adjustments they need to, if, you know, like, let's just say Hero gets COVID and he misses like two weeks or is exp- like, and because that's the, that's the protocol. It's like 13 days. Like he has to jerry up or Spolstra and his staff have to like rig up like a bunch of new stuff. Like mm-hmm. I trust them to make that work enough where it's, they're probably not going to do it. So like, I probably regret putting them six, but um, if I'm wrong, just just uh, at me, at Cavzanita. <laughs> um, so with that, it's uh, we have the same top three in some order, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia. We will reveal the orders of our top three on the other side and uh, get into uh, my growing confidence that the Raptors are just going to do what the Raptors tend to do. That's coming up in just a second. But a reminder to go and check out Locked on NBA every single day. Lots of great uh, conversation going on over there. Uh, And in particular, next week, we will have our preview, our season preview featuring all of the Locked on hosts with uh, six or seven minute little blips on their teams to get you ready, along with some insight from Nate Duncan and Josh Lloyd. It'll be great. So make sure you're Tuning in on Locked in NBA. Subscribe right now to get ready for it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Chris. So we've established we have the same top three in some order. Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia. Um, all right. Let's just reveal your order. Go three, two, one for me. Who do you got? Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee. Well, this is boring. We have the exact same thing. <laughs> well, <it's... laughs> here's here's the thing. Regular season bucks is like really good. They should be better with Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I my personal pick is best coach in the league is Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. You can talk me off of the Gasol Abacus of mattering because that's where like I worry that they slip is because I think those guys really matter and I think even if like Gasol isn't what he was when they won the title for instance, the communication stuff is just not there. Like mm-hmm. he's so good at that that really matters on defense and like are you getting that from Boucher and Baines and whatever? I don't know. Um, Philly just feels like I should have put them six because they, I need them to be normal for like three years before I can like assume that they will be normal. But like doc <laughs> rivers plus like getting Curry, Seth Curry in plus getting Danny green and not having Horford around. Like even if the rest of the, the, the bench is a little thin and you're banking on like Thibel being able to shoot or whatever, like the starting five of that team now makes so much more sense. It just, yeah. and like, and beads really good. And Simmons is really good. And sometimes we like, shouldn't overthink it. And last year was the case of like, we actually should have thought about it more. And now it's a case of like, okay, this just like actually makes more sense. And Doc Rivers, or if he has warts as a coach, sure. But he's like competent. Um, But also like, you know, is Embiid going to play like 72 games to push them into like contention for the two or the one seed? Probably not. I would, I would guess no. And, you know, Milwaukee has Giannis and like a good regular season coach and a lot of the same pieces that helped them be really successful last year. And they're like a really well-constructed regular season monster. And Drew is much better than Eric Bledsoe. So, yeah, like they'd be better if they got bogged on. But like Drew Holiday on his own right is just like a really, really useful piece for them. So I that's my order. Um, I think the I think the probably maybe not to your listeners, but I think the biggest question mark for me just feels like a either Philly at three or B of like is Toronto how lock solid is Toronto in it too and I, I guess I want you to, to explain to me why how we both ended up here even though I mocked you about it when we talked about doing this yeah um so my thing with Toronto is like I said when we were talking off air I have 
slowly had them creep up my predictions ever since the the offseason took place uh i guess a week ago whatever the hell that was <laughs> and i've been like thinking about this a lot because the top six is really compelling i think the thing with the raptors is they won 53 games out of 72 last year with basically never having their full team probably like i i think it was a total of like 10 games where they had actually all of their main rotation guys available to them and they still beat the piss out of everybody and were the second best defense in the league and that was with Marcus Saul missing like half the games and you know Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell like two or three times all missing significant chunks and so I just I really feel like they're going to kind of replicate the formula where they're a pain in the ass team like kind of, kind of like Miami a pain in the ass to play against in the regular season they play a regular season style of basketball much like Milwaukee who we don't need to talk about Milwaukee's going to be number one I wanted to get spicy and pick them to like finish third but they play regular I mean, but, season but ass basketball well, can I just I want to just note this like <laughs> yeah, yeah this season and I think you know this I think everyone that is realistic about what is going on um, maybe not that barbecue restaurant in Toronto that I've been reading about and just follow ex- <laughs> explicitly um it's my favorite drama makes me feel like i live in a functioning country sometimes um i don't but like every team could have something that screws them because like the wrong player gets covid for the wrong two-week stretch yeah totally and like we also just need to know people understand like the mo bamba thing has been like an outlier in terms of covid cases but he's not right and he had covid in june yeah like it's bad it's a bad virus as it turns out like if yeah if dante divincento um gets COVID and like, that's a problem. Like that, Mm. like if, if anybody that matters to these teams gets COVID, these teams are going to go in trajectories that is just like unpredictable to us. And I hate like having to talk about this, but it's just the reality of the season, especially when like, when like the Baxter homes reported um, that like, there's not like a set number of like cases and things that will cause a game to get canceled. Like this is going to be very weird and maybe not like NFL weird, but weird. And that that's going to impact all of us. Like the bucks could easily slip to four if they just get like some, some, unfortunate covid news if if guys are careless or if that you know something just unfortunate happens with that um i hope it doesn't i hope the nba can keep this as clean and healthy as possible for everyone but i mean it, it's just going to hang over the season and, until you know it, it isn't and that might not even be until next season if you listen to like dr fauci and whatnot yeah i mean look all of these predictions are like independent of the virus i think they kind of have to do it that way otherwise you're just it's you, kind of playing the you're if being they like stay well, healthy who, who is most yeah. likely to pull a hard and, and go to a birthday party for little baby <laughs> maskless <laughs> who has the most irresponsible collection who's, of players yeah who's gonna give their friend a bag of a prada bag with and a bunch of money and the prada bag is also just full of honey buns yeah yeah um <laughs> So I back really to the need Raptors. James Harden in Brooklyn. I'm just saying, I need it. It would be very funny. Um, but back to the Raptors thing, um, and sort of why I don't think they're going to drop off that much. Yeah, like losing Gasol and Ibaka hurts. I think it's a downgrade to go to Baines and Len, but it's not like that significant a downgrade at a position where the Raptors kind of just churn out good center performances no matter who it is, right? And like a lot of it's tied to Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry makes centers look good all the time. He's gotten dudes paid frequently throughout his career, and I think that will continue with Aaron Baines. I think that pick-and-pop game is going to be really good. I think the pick-and-roll game with both him and Alex Len will be quite good. And so I think they'll they'll pass with their centers, and I think they'll probably just kind of 
maybe resort to more of a drop system when you have Baines and Len on the floor so you're not asking them to range out the way they did with Gasol. But with the perimeter defense they have and the scrambling style they play, I think it's going to be totally fine to just have those guys hanging back where they are pretty good in terms of rim protection while also improving the rebounding of the team, which has been a sore spot in recent years. And if you factor in, you know, obviously factoring in health is difficult, as we've just alluded to, but if they're even a little bit healthier than they were last year, I just don't see how this team loses that many games out of the win column with the swap-in of Baines and Len. Plus, when you factor in the internal growth you expect from OG and probably Pascal Siakam and probably Fred Van Vliet and, you know, the, the guys who could pop off the bench, whether it's DeAndre Benbury or Malachi Flynn, whoever that might be, it just feels like... They're going to do the Raptors thing where they drastically overshoot their, their over-under in Vegas. They It's not a surprise to people who have watched the Raptors for eight years because Kyle Lowry just drives winning like very few players in the last decade in the NBA have, but it will still be a surprise to normies who don't understand Kyle Lowry's impact or value. And it just feels like we're setting up for another one of those seasons, and I'm at the point now, and maybe this is a homer-ass pick, but apparently not because you also think they're going to be the two-seed. It just feels like a Spurs situation where you just bet for them to succeed until they don't. And then once they've proven you wrong, then you can kind of maybe change your view on them. But they're just so consistent. They're a metronome of winning a shit ton of games. And I kind of think that's going to continue this year. And I don't think it's that crazy. Like, they're, they're... Yes, there are holes. Yes, they might not be the best offensive team, but they're going to be incredible defensively once again, and it's just a roster that, again, has no players who are bad defensive players necessarily, outside of, like, Matt Thomas, who hits, like, 58% of his threes. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a good, solid team, and yeah. good, solid teams win a lot of games in the Eastern Conference. Well, I just want to say, I think uh, I think Nick Nurse, again, might, might be the best coach in the league. Yeah. Like, he really might. And if anyone's going to scheme, like... I think about the the defense of the perimeter talents obviously way better, but when you talk about when you're talking about the Raptors bigs, it, it made me think about the Cavs because I think schematically like they're built to play a lot of drop. They're and that's and if you talk to coaches and you you hear what um, smarter people than me say about defense, then yeah, you need variety, you need um, you know flexible schemes, and I, I wonder if like his drop just gets really predictable. It kind of gives point guards or lead ball handlers like clear attack points to kind of figure out. I wonder if like one of the schemes of that is like if you just have guys who are going to stay in position and be smart and deter shots and you can just crush on the on the glass like that's a path to just having a not giving up a ton of offensive rebounds or, or getting destroyed in that way like if like in Toronto you would seem if, if a team is going to be able to pull that off a team that could play like Kyle Van Vliet OG Siakam and like pick your and pick a center as the five seems like a team that could like really get away with that if they also just like crash the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, They're I, also I, gonna play small a bunch too with OG at the five, which yeah. uh, I've said the number a few times. But they held in that series against Boston, they held the Celtics to eighty three points per one hundred possessions in the small lineup. Like they, That's they ridiculous. defend their asses off. <laughs> I though I I've one one last Raptors question for you. Yeah, what's up? What is what is what are your say Siakam expectations? Because I I I'm a OG believer. Um, I love Kyle. I've come to really love Kyle's probably like on my like five list of five guys that I just irrecoverably think are incredible. Um, but what are your Siakam expectations for this year in, in year two of him kind of being a more focal point for the, for the franchise? Yeah, I think obviously the bubble kind of weighs on it all. And I think kind of clouds how good he actually was, especially near the shutdown where he was really refining his playmaking. He was, you know, racking up five, six assist games. And, you know, I think there was this sort of 
undercurrent of people thinking his defense had fallen off last year, which I don't think it really did. He was so essential to everything the Raptors did on defense because he's basically the best contester of corner threes in the world. You know, I, I don't think there was that stark a drop off. And I think in the bubble, I mean, yes, his offense was miserable, but he was incredible defensively. And so I just kind of think he's a really, really good two way player who maybe he's not a classic number one scoring option, but even if he caps out as what he was before the shutdown last year, that's a damn good player who's worthy of a max. And I do think there's room for him to improve. I mean, in particular, uh, the area that I look at with Pascal is the sort of like six to 12 foot range where he used to be absolutely lights out in his most improved season when they won the title. He, like, I don't think he missed a push shot the entire season. He was yeah. insane. He had the stupid layups he would throw off of, like, weird angles off glass that would go in. And those were just not there for him at all last year. He had no touch in that range. And if he can regain that a little bit as he gets more comfortable with his ball handling and with his counters and he can kind of balance everything out, I mean, that's just, like, a huge element of his game that was not there last year, and he still succeeded by and large. And so... I'm pretty bullish on Pascal. It seems like he's in a better mental place than he was during the bubble as well, which is not to be underestimated. He himself said that he was not right mentally and was just not really there for the bubble, which totally understandable, man. Like, it, it was a shitty situation, and it's it's hard to sort of, you know, it's hard to reckon with that and figure out how much that played into his on-court play, but considering the drop-off from what he was during the regular season to the bubble, I think it's pretty safe to say it played a pretty enormous role in the way he played in the postseason. And they still almost beat the Celtics despite that. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about Pascal going into this year. Are you similarly positive, or did the bubble kind of cloud things for you? It clouded things, but I also just haven't done, like, the dive that I need to to kind of think about it. I've been, you know, just trying to figure out how, why Andre Drummond can't shoot well, the rim. <laughs> That's been my life for the last couple weeks, Sean. So, you know. Fair enough. Um, if you have an we, answer for that, please let me know because I don't have one. I, I truly don't have any Andre Drummond related answers future, for you. I future apologize. Raptor? Future Raptor? Expiring contract? I mean, the Raptors do have the potential to trade for an expiring guy and really kind of take one last kick at it with Kyle. They have a lot of contracts that can move. Drummond is not maybe top of list. I think like the dream scenario is the Jazz fizzle out and they trade for Rudy Gobert midseason. The likely scenario, more likely, is maybe they get PJ Tucker back from the Rockets. That would, that would, I would be imagine a there that would be, be quite a, a it would kick ass, dude. But I would imagine there'd be quite a bidding war for him, so maybe they can't really hang up there. I don't know. But um, although, as I tweeted yesterday, uh, a former lottery pick who has an experience guarding LeBron James as well as a three-time champion, Stanley Johnson and Patrick McCaw for Pat, for PJ Tucker. How could you not do that if you're the Rockets uh, at this <laughs> Still point? Man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty. F- Pretty freaking bullish on the Raptors again and again. I will be probably until they give me reason not to be. Um, I I, sh- I didn't mention Philly. I have Philly third as well. You made all the good points for why they're going to be good again. I think the last time we saw a Sixers roster that made sense, they won like 18 games in a row to close the season and were really, really good. And I think Simmons and Embiid get unfairly shat upon for some very bad personnel moves. And I constantly have respect for Embiid in particular because of what he did against the Raptors in the playoffs, nearly winning a series on his own while he had the shits for seven games. Uh, He's really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's like an MVP candidate this year. So imagine if Philly number three. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if they didn't like get rid of, uh, like actually kept the guy whose mom worked for the team. Who's now really good. Mikael Mm. Bridges. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, instead <laughs> of like having a guy that they waived who's like now like doesn't I don't think I signed a contract anywhere yet. A guy who they waived who they almost killed by giving sesame to despite him being allergic. Classic Sixers medical staff. What a franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um that feels like a pretty good place to leave this, Chris. I'm glad we could do our traditional talk about the Eastern Conference podcast without having to talk about your beloved slash terrible Cavaliers. Um I'm glad I could give you a reprieve today from talking <laughs> about them. Uh do you have anything you would like to promote? Uh if you want to read a calf story that won't make you sad, um uh, my newsletter in Elgin Downfield that I do at Jordan's room, I wrote a story about the Cavs and a wine partnership that they did because um, wine's cool and you should check that out because it's kind of innovative, actually. Um, for all the flack the Cavs get, they actually do some interesting stuff on the business side and uh, fearthestore.com if you want a bunch of a sister sites for Raptors HQ um, doing all bunch of our season preview stuff. If you're like, what's going on with Matthew Delavadova and why did he shoot 24% on threes last year? If those were the questions that plague you in life. <laughs> you're the sword place to go and if they're not uh just go anyway because i'll probably write some crazy drum and shit outstanding uh that will uh do it for today's show thanks everyone for tuning in please subscribe to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts also to get to the local business of the day something i forgot to do the last couple of days frankly i don't have enough that have been sent in to fill all of the days this month so please send more Toronto local businesses you would like to support on in. But right now, I'm going to shout out the Kingston Social House, which is located at 1427 Kingston Road in Scarborough, sent in by a listener. I can't remember the listener's name. I apologize for that. But uh, they're open uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 3 to 7 p.m. Apparently, it rules. So, uh, Kingston Social House, 1427 Kingston Road, Scarborough. Support your local businesses because Jeff Bezos does not need your money, and nor does Wendy's or McDonald's. Uh, anyway, that will do it for today's show. Again, tomorrow I'm going to dive into the race for the eighth man spot in the Raptors rotation, so stick around for that. And until then, uh, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now, go fire up Locked On Leafs with Mike DiStefano. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.